Hi everyone and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. In each episode, we invite guests to have honest conversations about their mental health journeys with the goal of destigmatizing mental health within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Due to the nature of the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of mental health topics and possibly triggering experiences. While we and the majority of our guests are not trained professionals, we encourage you to practice self-care while listening and seek professional guidance if you or a loved one is in need of support. With that said, let's start the episode. Hi, my name is Megan, and I would describe my mental health journey as blossoming. All right. Hi, my name is Donovan, and I would describe my mental health journey as a marathon. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. I am your host, Matthew Yonamura. Uh, we're really excited to have great guests again. I realized um, I didn't do this intentionally, but we've done a lot of podcast episodes with duos lately. Um, going through, I'm looking. We did the episode with Therapists Talk About. We had Sam and Aussie. We had Sujin and Linda Yoon. Uh, and we have another great duo today. Uh, I've had the chance to meet them and share space with them a couple of times now and such great people. They do really great work. I really love going to their events when I've been able to and I told them in the podcast and I'm going to keep my word that I do intend on attending more of their events in the future and I stand by that and I mean it. So I'm really excited for them to be able to share their story about how they created their group and their own communities, how their communities have combined. But I'm really excited to see where they go because, you know, they're one of the, like, OGs in this space that they're in, and I think they should get that credit. But, yeah, I think that the work that they do is really awesome. I think their stories that they tell on this podcast are great. Uh, they're both very resilient in their sports injuries. Get a little teaser about who they are, but these are two great people. I don't know what else to say. I've done, like, three different takes trying to describe them more, but I just love both of them and I'm really excited for you to hear their story. So without further ado, here is Social Hour Run Club led by Donovan and Megan. So Megan and Donovan, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. Um, I know that I inherited the Changing Tides Instagram accounts um, once I was hired and then I was seeing Social Hour Run Club pop up every now and then. I'd see Megan pop up every now and then. And then what, I can't even remember the first time I met you both. Do you know the first time we got in contact? So I think the first time you and I have met Matt was probably when the Changing Tides event was happening for Ripple Effect. Got it. Um, if that's, I think that's correct. And, and yeah, we had that call and, you know, yeah. had the meet and greet, but just like this, just like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the first time we met and it's kind of blossomed since then with a couple yeah. of we've done so far. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That sounds about right. But I, I just, I, it's been really cool to get to know you guys and participate in some social hour running club stuff and have you guys attend some changing tide stuff. But um, before I get into, you know, social hour and the two of you i want to kind of start with why you both described your mental health journeys as you did so megan considering you shared first uh, i'd love to know why you consider blossoming yes so after reflecting i i think i've always been aware and i i feel very fortunate to have the vocabulary and the information 
on mental health. I think our generation is fortunate in that way where it's everywhere on Instagram, you can get books on it. And so that awareness has always been there, kind of sprouted in my in my brain, in my spirit. And I think at this point in my life, I finally felt the pedal start to open and, and felt that um, push to actually dig in and do some work. And I, I'm also that friend and family member who's given folks advice and not necessarily taking it for myself. And I I just feel that this is the right time to invest in that piece to to look into myself. And I actually just started therapy a couple, it's my third session yesterday. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It's been great. And it's a benefit of my company. So I definitely encourage anyone else who might have that benefit to take advantage. It's not, um, yeah, it's not often that your company will do that. So being able to sit with a someone who isn't connected to me has been great to have that sounding board and just talk through a lot of the things that have been in my brain and get it out there in the universe. And it's exciting. I think that blossoming image for me makes it more positive, less scary, that it's not something to rush and it, it happens as it should, like nature. Um, so that's where I'm at right now with my journey. That's all wonderfully said. And <laughs> Just before I jump to Donovan, I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you said that you've always kind of had the vocabulary or, um, you know, you've had, yeah, you've always had the vocabulary to describe mental health. But do you think that really started with social media or was there an openness that you had within your family or like, where do you think that that came from? I think it's a combination of both. Definitely social media and just I, I studied communications in my undergrad. So it was interpersonal, organizational, both body language and how to connect with people of different cultures or um, gender identification. So mm. that part was there. And then I do think part part of it is just talking to friends who have you know gone through therapy or even my aunt, who's a counselor at the University of Washington, asking mm. me those questions of why or how, why do you think you feel that way? How does it affect you? And um, yeah, it, it's just always been there and I've always had an interest in it as someone who likes to connect with other people and with myself, but always had an excuse of being too busy or mm -hmm. not putting it at the top priority. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think I, whether it, you just hear it through osmosis and you kind of gain the knowledge through your aunt, I think that was, that sounds like it would be a big part of it, especially like through your teenage years or early teens like to have that as a sounding board because especially in like AAPI culture like people don't ask those types of questions so that really sounds interesting to me um and then um to bring it over to Donovan we say it's a marathon it's very fitting with how I know you both but uh can you let me know about why you described it the way you did yeah I feel like it's a marathon only because of, like a marathon you have to it's kind of a long journey um in the training and you know the race itself and so um i think I've, I've noticed for my mental health journey it started as early as like me playing basketball as a kid um i used to be really nervous and afraid to make mistakes and i know that's stuff that i've had to kind of internalize and try to work on as i got older um you know with social hour and just in life in general and so 
you know, I, it's something that I maybe didn't recognize as a kid when as growing up. Um, but now that I'm older and have learned tools, like whether it's from talking to Megan or just from social media or like just other tools that I've learned just throughout life, I could recognize those things as a kid and, you know, things I still struggle with, you know, with maybe anxiety or like mm-hmm. that nervousness. Um, and I'm able to kind of internalize that and, and kind of work in a positive direction with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it translates a lot to running because a lot of the stuff that we do for training, you know, it's something that you kind of, you know, learn as you start running. And then you could kind of realize when you do your next race, it's something you could do better on. And so it's always just continued learning in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, I'm sorry if it's uh, tough to talk about childhood sports, but if there was a um, pressure that came from the, like, where was the pressure coming from? Was it putting it on yourself? Was it like a, a parent figure? Was it your coach? Like, where was the pressure coming from? No, it's crazy because like my parents were so encouraging when it came to sports. So it's definitely not from them. <laughs> they would always like, you know, be like, try hard, you know, like do your best. Um, I think a lot of it came from um, internal pressure on yourself and being, you know, your biggest critic. And I'm sure I'm not the one that goes through this, but like afraid to make a mistake because you're going to get taken out of a game or like you put all this burden on yourself and um, you feel like you're failing to meet the, um, like, be the state of what you're looking for. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was internal. Obviously, I've had coaches that have been tough on me, but um, I mean, I really think it's more something that I created in my head that Interesting. would affect me. And I know that that's also like has affected me in my job sometimes or like in like school, you know, that wanting to or basically being afraid to fail. And I think that internal pressure, I think, is definitely coming from the inside versus what's really the reality of it. Um, mm. And so I've kind of learned to it's OK to make mistakes and, you know, you really can't move forward and you can really grow from those mistakes and that's how you move forward and become a better person. So, yeah. You know, I find that your answer is really interesting because I think, you know, what I've learned through therapy with my, like, cause I originally was diagnosed with like depression, which is what really brought me to my mental health journey. But I think what I've been going to therapy more recently for is anxiety. And I've learned that anxiety has been something I've really dealt with for a long time and without even knowing it. Like little things like my lifelong challenge to fall asleep at night because I can't stop my brain from thinking, you know, like all those types of things. And I wonder if this is maybe relatable for you, Donovan, specifically. Megan, you too, but I think because this really goes into what Donovan was saying, um, you know, do you think that you've had like a high, you hold yourself to a higher standard than you hold others? Like, do you think that you're putting, like in all aspects of life, you've kind of had pressure on yourself? I would think that was the case like very early on and e- even recent as like a young adult. But um, yeah, I-, I think that would be true. Uh-huh. Um, and I resonate kind of what you were saying um, with because um, I remember like anxiety is actually something I don't speak about a lot, but something I go through, I think quite a bit um like even talking at social hour you see these people like every day and there's days where like we'll have a big group especially coming back from covid that was really tough um Mm. and just getting super anxious making announcements like something so little like that or um you know just getting really nervous or i don't know sometimes it still happens i'm not gonna lie but um 
yeah, it's something that I think that I probably deal with pretty often, uh, but just have been better about it um, mm. recently. Yeah. Megan, is that something you could relate to? Yeah, I, I would. I think some of the things I'm learning, the tools like attachment styles and things like that. I, I think my also holding myself to a high standard, not wanting to never let them see you sweat. Uh, but yeah. I've had a lot of examples of how being vulnerable has been beneficial and that everyone's self-conscious about something. And even the people that you think might be perfect and have everything figured out don't. And mm -hmm. some, I might be that person of Megan knows what she's doing. She's so independent, uh, but I for sure struggle and, and maybe that is why I feel like I might have some sort of responsibility to be a role model to my niece or to mm. folks in the community. But I've always found that when I do let my guard down and admit to those faults, it's people are there to support me, like like Donovan and my friends who I, I don't have to know it all or do it all well. Mm -hmm. But yes, every still to this day, <laughs> even the little things of daily life things make me anxious but learning to um deal with it and find the the paths and give myself grace has been really helpful mm -hmm. i i think that's just something that i think it's a universal issue or a universal problem that a lot of people face of that that standard piece but i've noticed a lot of it definitely has to do with like it, the aapi community and BIPOC folks in general, because, you know, um, generational trauma of what our ancestors or our parents went through is like, oh, well, if they had dealt with all that, then you have to hold yourself to a certain standard or uh, they sacrificed so much. So then we have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that's a piece of it. But I also just think it has to do with, we, we all face with the, the model minority myth as well, to an extent. So... I think there's a lot at play, and I think uh, it's good that you guys have each other to to talk about it, as well as um, Megan with you starting therapy. I think I've learned that I dive a lot into that when I didn't expect to, but that ended up being a lot of discussion. Um, you know, you you mentioned your communities that you're involved with, and you know, one of those is Social Hour. But I kind of want to start even further before starting Social Hour and. You know, Megan, I know at least one piece is the Orange County Buddhist Church, like your family and you are very involved there. But what role does like the, the JA community as a whole play in your life? It's a big piece of my identity, I would say. I think my first sense of community was family and family is OCBC and Little Tokyo. Um, so I think growing up, it, it was just... I was, it's in my DNA, like you were saying, gen there's generational trauma, but there's generational wisdom and, and learnings. And I don't know if it's through nurture or nature of my parents showing me the way or literally in my genes to, to give back and be part of something bigger than myself. But mm. I, I was just born into it. And um, the JA community in particular, I think, through programs like Kizuna and um, now LTSC and all those organizations that do great work, I was able to learn this at a young age of what you're talking about, the sacrifices of our community and that OCBC, the Budokan don't just pop up overnight. It is because of 
uh, struggle and resilience that we mm-hmm. were excluded from normal basketball leagues and had to form our own. And um, I think that the learning the history of our community and my family in specific, uh, the, the notion of lifting as you climb, because we have a lot of privilege because of that. And what's been great about blending community and culture is I, I can use what I've learned and the resources and the amazing community that the, at least in Southern California and these, you know, highly densely Japanese American populations have built over centuries or not centuries, decades, <laughs> um, using that to, to, as a template and to help other communities that don't have that, who might be more recently immigrated or um, don't have the same uh, rallying call that we had because of the war or whatnot. So I think one, it, it helped me find my path and voice and um, all of those youth organizations that gave me mentorship and, and confidence in myself. Um, and then now as I am serving somewhat as a bridge, I think it's showing me that not every community has what we have and how can we use that and and advocate with and act in solidarity with others. Um, so yes, it's it's a huge part of who I am and I'm really, I feel that responsibility to uh, give back within it, but also share it outwardly and bring other folks in um, through, through my different networks. Totally. And you know, it's so interesting or I always come back to this whenever I talk about, you know, the JA basketball leagues is for one, I didn't know. I never knew what OCBC stood for until I started working at Changing Tides. I was like, "Oh, it's just another basketball league." I was like, "I was like, it took me forever to learn that FOR stood for Friends of Richard." I was like, "What name or association is OCBC?" If I'm basing it off of the league I was in, FOR. So, you know, I I've learned all of this like later on, and something I wish I knew earlier was why these leagues started you know like when i was in first grade i got enrolled in for but i didn't know what any of that meant you know i wish someone would sit every kid down at some point maybe in like middle school be like hey this is why these leagues started and that's why they're still around because like to keep that culture because i used to feel like why are we excluding everyone else at one point i was like why is it only for asians i didn't understand it and i i also wasn't at, didn't take as much pride in it because I was like, oh, I, you know, I went to a primarily white school. So I was like, oh, I just play club basketball. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone. I was like, I play in like these JA basketball leagues because I didn't know the relevance of it. So, you know, I think um, similar to you, I've been learning as I've been going about some things that I kind of just grew up in, but turns out it's been a really big piece of identity and also culture. And I think that's been a really cool thing to kind of learn over time. Um, and then Donovan, I wanted to ask you about uh, the role that the Filipino community has played in your life. Yeah. So, well, first I wanted to talk about the J, um, your experience with the J community with basketball, because I was in the same boat where I played in these leagues too growing up, yeah. which is awesome that they welcome, you know, Filipinos to play in these um, Asian leagues and, um, I didn't know what any of it meant either. And it's great that I played for OCBC at one point and I'm like, oh, Megan, you know, we're, we reconnect over like Seo and everything. And we talk about like, oh, I played for your church and I had no idea 
what, what I was playing for at the time. Um, so I, I really appreciate that kind of experience I was able to get from that. But going back to your question with the Filipino community and what kind of role it plays in my my life, um, I would say that, you know, early on I was doing a lot of uh, things with my church. There was a little Filipino community that um, was at the church I went to and I would, you know, do all the like Filipino culture night stuff and do the dances and go through the motions. And it's something that um, I'm very grateful my my mom would put me in these programs for. Uh, maybe not recognizing the importance of it and like the the meaning behind a lot of it. But I'd definitely say that it's something that when I got older, I kind of, um, I would say this, this, not by choice, but it kind of fell out of that community for a little bit. And so, you know, with the rise of like social media and seeing like all those cool things that, you know, creators are doing in the Filipino community um, and, you know, being um, able to lead my own community with social hour and being a Filipino creator, um, you know, it's something that I've definitely wanted to, um, that I felt like motivation to like really reconnect with and kind of explore um, my Filipino heritage more. Not that I'm not proud of it, but more that I, I could do a better job of kind of um, learning more about my family's culture and just being Filipino in general. And, and I think a lot of Filipino Americans go through that same thing. Um, and also seeing Megan's, um, you know, relationship with the J community, um, it's it would be great to see and find what are those, uh, or like, what does the Filipino community have that's like that? And if not, can we offer something like that with social hour to bring a cool, like, welcoming community as well to, to uh, for Filipinos essentially. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's it's interesting because uh, my girlfriend Lauren, you know, she's Filipino as well, and it's for her, like, you know, she grew up with other, uh, like, a lot of her Filipino friends came up through dance, so they knew each other for you know, the longest time. Um, but a lot of it just has to do with like culture being within the family. You know, there's not as many, or at least to my knowledge, there's not as many cultural institutions like for the Filipino community as there are for the JA community. You know, like there's so many of these organizations and programs encouraging, you know, the Japanese American culture to thrive and survive. And, you know, I do think like, because I've seen some of the work that you guys have done with Social Hour and, you know, the the wide range of people that come through Social Hour. And I do think there is a sense of that community within Social Hour because, you know, unfortunately, you know, historic Filipino town, it doesn't have as much of a backing as like Little Tokyo does. So, you know, I'm hoping I've had this discussion with my partner, Lauren, like, I hope like I always butcher this quote, but the tide lifts all boats, you know, type of thing where, you know, hopefully we could all kind of learn from one another to uplift one another's uh, communities. So, you know, I don't think it's a fault to you or any Filipino American to fall out of culture at one point or another, you know, whether you come back to it or not, because I just don't think there's as many communities encouraging it, you know. So I think it's it's just a tough balance to strike. Sorry, I got on my soapbox a little bit, but it's just something that spoke to me in yeah. hearing from you. And I just had Lauren on the podcast last week, so the discussion's fresh. Um, I could add to that and just reflecting on the generational difference. I'm a Yonsei, fourth generation, um, and I was fortunate to be able to speak with my grandparents who went through World War II as second generation. And 
they had that same, well, because of the war, um, distancing themselves from their cultural heritage mm -hmm. and wanting to be American and assimilate. And I think that might be similar to what Donovan's, you know, parents might have had to go through as a new immigrant or mm. facing, you know, discrimination. And that's something we're fortunate not to have as much. Um, there for sure definitely is discrimination out there, but um, yeah, I, I think that difference and I'm excited that we, our generation in general is interested in and wanting to reconnect. And there are a lot more resources now than there were back then. Yeah. So Donovan, what gen generation are you? Hope I get this right. I believe I am first generation, second generation <laughs> Filipino. So I, that's you. Yeah, my parents. Um, yeah, they were the first ones to come here from the Philippines. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I'm gonna butcher it, but <laughs> Megan's probably out on this. Let me try. No, there's both ways. Some people say the first yeah, one right. born here or the first, but it's yeah, yeah, the second. Right. <laughs> no, Megan, I think that's a really good point of just like the generations of of families that have been here and you know I, I think that's promising for generations to come for the various communities that we have in california because we're so lucky to have so many different cultures come together here um so to kind of bring it all together um what can you both say about the community you built through social hour and what is social hour run club um, I, I think with Social Shower Run Club, you know, it's kind of evolved since we started and to what it is now. Um, something I'm really proud of is it's well, one thing that's always been at the forefront is community. And so I'm really proud of the community we've built, uh, the communities we support as, as far as like running in different cities and uh, also like the social responsibility that we've kind of had with like supporting causes that we believe in now, which has been really great. Um, I think with the, another thing I'm very proud of with Social Hour Run Club is that, you know, people always come back week by week. And so there's something that we're building that is speaking to them, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to just make friends when you're in your mid to late thirties or mm -hmm. in your, it's hard to make friends, I think, at our age outside of, I think, you know, being in a sport or like, if you're not in school, like, I think it's a really interesting age of work, trying to find communities that you could really relate to someone and, and, you know, running's that vehicle for us. And I'm glad that people, you know, always come out and support and feel something when they come to social hour. So that's something I'm really proud of with it. When, when did you guys establish it? So we started in like 2016. Um, okay. Got more serious about it in 2018. Very humble beginnings. Um, so briefly, in 2016, um, I I used to go out to a, another run club. Uh, it's back when Nike used to have run clubs, and uh, and so uh, I, I had a great experience with the community part of it. I'd hang out with the friends, my friends that I made out of there, and um, they stopped doing it. And so I was like, I want to keep this going. And so I tried to host my own runs. And it was great the first day, but there were days where we had one to two runners or I would just show up by myself. So it was mm. a persistence thing. And and once uh, uh, once I brought it back to like Cerritos in 2018 and changed a couple things up, um, I it, it did a little better in Cerritos from word of mouth and just friends. Um, but 
uh, yeah, ever since then, well, we're in 2023 now, it's kind of grown into something so much different than what I would have uh, pictured it of just, just being a run club. Um, I think we're more of a social community and that's, and I think that's, I'm very proud of that um, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you say about humble beginnings. Cause I think we feel that too, because like this podcast still gets zero listens. So it's, I'm just kidding. People, people listen. I'm just kidding. Um, no. Um, but I, I think that's amazing that you guys have been able to persist through that, you know, cause it could be so easy to not, to get discouraged after that one, one time of only one person showing up or no people showing up, you know, but you guys have really become such a, such a big run club now and like run clubs are like popping right now so it's really cool that you guys were able to stick through that but uh megan was there anything that uh you wanted to add on to about like the community of social hour i think i i'm really proud and happy to hear don donovan talk about this on a platform because i've been on the sideline in the beginning as as a friend right seeing social hours start i wasn't involved in the beginning but I probably like Facebook message of, or saw saw it on Facebook at that time. Like, oh, Donovan's doing this run thing. That's cool. And then uh, I I lived in Japan for a year and came back. And then I was like, oh, it's a real run club. It's a real thing. And um, to see how it's grown since then, is, and it speaks to Donovan's persistence and dedication and real passion to create that space. Um, and exciting to like join partner in it now and have him welcome me into the space. And we've been able to uh, work in a creative way, which I think both of us work in more corporate settings for our day job. So having this outlet to use our other side of our brain <laughs> in, in a, a lack of words. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a sacred space for a lot of our folks who uh, count on it as that inclusive warm welcoming community happens to be you know through running but we've had these types of conversations on our runs and after when we go out to eat and i think that's the real magic of what has been established and what hopefully will continue for a long time is um creating that safe safety and um accomplishing our goals along the way through run in running and in life seeing folks go from walking a mile to now running a full marathon to qualifying for the Boston marathon. Yeah. Celebrating their weddings or, you know, new jobs and stuff like that. So it's really exciting. Like you said, running in general is popping off and I'm excited to see where it might lead our community and how we can, you know, uplift the folks and members in our group. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I can't even imagine like what it used to look like because i only went to like the one event that we collaborated on the the lululemon um event that we did and like the number of people who showed up and how much production went into it and like the coffee beat up afterward and how like so many members didn't just do the run like they stayed for the whole thing you know so like i those humble beginnings to me is hard to imagine it being so humble because of my time with with being cued in with it all um but, you know, I could really relate to the, the making friends part. I mean, I'll, I'll literally bleep out your voices when you say this, but do you mind if I ask your ages? Yeah, I'm pretty okay. in a couple yeah. of weeks. I yeah. just turned last week, so. Okay. 
in the edit, that will be bleeped out. So that <laughs> you guys are both twenty three, yeah, and we'll bleep it out. You know, yeah, we, we're we're all we're all twenty three here. Um, but like, I could totally relate to that because I mean, I'm only just now actually just turned twenty five, and like even after college, like it's so much harder to make friends. Like a lot of the friends I've made so far through playing basketball, you know, we've cycled in teammates, and then we meet their girlfriends and stuff and then at least everyone like kind of getting to know each other so like it's really hard to make friends and like the social part like of actual social hour run club is really cool so but donovan with the 2016 like creating it was that what you had in mind when you wanted to create this or what inspired you to start social hour honestly i think at the root of it it was just to hang out with friends mm -hmm. um, that's why i think it it's been like so like nice because I mean, like I said, running was the vehicle of it, but we really just got together to hang out afterwards and get to know each other. And, and I think that's still true with what social hour is now. Um, and so, yeah, 2016, like, I mean, I don't think you ever think about creating a run club as like, you know, even like a job or a passion project. Right. Um, it came back, it came out very organically in that sense. And, um, yeah, it's. I always like tell Megan, I'm like, I never thought this would be like a thing that's gone on for what was it seven. seven years now, but it's pretty much been like one of the pillars of my identity at least, um, you know. So yeah, it's, it's answer. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy to think about it for me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think that's relatable for. I mean. Changing Tides, it started as four college students who were just like, how come no one's talking about mental health? And now we're a program of Little Tokyo Service Center that's been around for five years, you know? It's like, it's crazy where uh, some people or just one or two, pe four people could come together and think like, what if we tried this out? And then it could become something so much more. Um, and you know, you, you mentioned it being such like a core part of who you are. What role does like movement play and physical and mental health for you? And I'll start with Donovan, but I want to ask you both. So, I mean, I think when you're running and, and you're kind of moving your body, um, it really is a time to take your mind off of what the stressors in life could be, you know, whether you're having a hard day at work or, you know, whatever reason might be stressing you out. Um, really just going for a run and, clearing your head and, you know, just taking one step at a time where you don't have to worry about those things, or you could, you know, do the opposite and really think about those things because it's just you and your thoughts. Um, it could go either way, I think, but I think, um, you know, having that space to run and then, you know, with endorphins and just feeling better because you're moving and sweating, I, I feel like it helps. It translates to your mental health for sure. Um, and that's what I, I think I use movement for a lot. And then, um, yeah, I think that's that's really a good tie about it. I think with people um, coming out of social hour, um, they're able to do the same thing, and we can provide that space for them to do it as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Megan, I'm going to get to ask you, but I want to ask, like, as a follow up, you know, I think I know you mentioned playing basketball like at a younger age. Like, how did you navigate from sport to sport? Because I know social hour has done some volleyball stuff too, but like what brought you specifically to running was it like something that you and your friends did to stay in shape or was it something that you were just like why not or did you always have a love for it 
Well, so running was always like something you didn't like because you played <laughs> basketball. Now that, that was your punishment or what you had to do. Right. Stay in shape for the sport you're playing, right? Um for me, when I was going to Hawaii, I really wanted to get in shape and get a six pack, and that's why I'm running. And a lot of people expect like some crazy story that you know I got into running, but that's really the the way I got into it. Um, and then I signed up for a race, like following that Hawaii trip, and that's kind of when I caught the bug. When you're not yelled at to run, and you're running because you want to run. Um, and their internal intrinsic values that push you to run versus someone telling you, I think running is a way more enjoyable. Uh, what a concept, right? So I think that's what's, that's what happened. Um, and that's, I, I signed up for a couple of races, trial and error with some marathons. I know Megan could tell you, um, I have some stories that probably won't be appropriate for this podcast <laughs> about my marathon training and failures. Mm. Um, but it's all the part of the journey that I've gone through and in my running journey that's still continuing. So. Got it. Yeah, that's it's so funny because I, that I was literally think, thinking like, wow, imagine if coaches from a young age, like high school coaches or club coaches were like, let me bring in a sports psychi- like psychologist to like tr- train my kids to know that like running could be enjoyable because then like your team's going to be in better shape. You're going to, you know, they're going to enjoy it. But like, there really was trauma with playing in the JA leagues with like D to do laps or lines, you know, like I can't even, I hated running. I caught a bug for a little bit, but then like I kind of came, made my way back to basketball. But like, yeah, like once you learn to enjoy it, I was, I was thinking about like how much I used to hate it because it's, it's so funny how much and, like. And also, and also one thing like with Solskjaer and I was telling my friend Amy about this, um, when I first started the Run Club 2, one of the main things I also wanted to get across with running is, because she'd be like, why are you running so much? You're always <laughs> running. And I'm like, I'm trying to make running cool. <laughs> so that was one of the things too. And it's that's why I think it's so crazy how popular Run Clubs are now, because I think we are, I, I think I can safely say that we're probably one of the like older Run Clubs, um, not for our community's age, but more for like, you know, we start. We kind of were. We can We got in early with the whole run club craze because there's so. It's such a great time to be a runner because there's so many run clubs in every city now. Totally. And I don't see this competition. I think it's just the golden age for a runner to get into a community, and if they could share the same experience that I've kind of had with, um, you know, social hour, then more power to the runners. But um, I'm glad running's cool now, <laughs> or at least to some people. I know <laughs> we haven't got everyone to translate over. But I'm hoping to get you to one of the runs, man. If you, you know, get out here. You know, we have a five mile option. So we're, all... we're trying to make it the barriers so like we're trying to eliminate those barriers totally. um, with food and short distances. <laughs> it will if it can get me to buy because I really like all the running shoes out now. So if it's an excuse for me to buy a pair of new running shoes, then I could I'll make my way out pretty soon. Uh, I actually will make it my way out. I'm not just saying it for the recording, but if anything, you have proof against me now. Yeah. Um, uh, and Megan, sorry it took me so long to get to you, but movement for you, you know, was this, did you grow up playing sports or did, was social hour your introduction, but in all of it, in the whole journey of, of movement, what role has that played in both physical and mental health? Yes, I've been moving since I, before I was born. My, <laughs> I'm, I have an older sister, Tracy, and then me and all my relatives said I popped out and I was rolling around and escaped from my crib when I was a baby. 
And I think just my earliest memories are literally running around with my cousins <laughs> and with my sister and chasing whoever. Um, and so, yes, I was involved in sports, mainly basketball, just because of our community. My Both of my parents played and my family. It's kind of a prerequisite as a child. <laughs> but, um, but I was reflecting I wasn't as competitive I didn't take it as seriously as some of my peers I just honestly enjoyed moving and I I think that's just a part of who I am dancing um walking I walk Don knows this at least once twice a day to get you know all of that out of my system um and more recently with all of these tools and vocabulary about mental health it really has become that was my first form of therapy mm. um being alone with your thoughts for better or worse right. whether it's clearing your head or like don said having to face it and think about it for an hour when you're running your your long run so uh it, it definitely is a huge part of who i am and how i navigate through the world and um it's nice to be able to share that with other folks now it's necessary sometimes to do it alone and i enjoy that but to be able to have that shared struggle what is it not trauma bonding maybe (laughs) to some extent like marathon training is hard yeah totally hours and almost like a full-time part-time job so being able to share that experience and know that others are going through it with you but um yeah, movement is a very positive space for me to be in and grateful, uh, even more so now to be able to move my body and hopefully can sustain that for the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and the downside of sports is the injuries. And I've dealt with, like, I, I still, like, can't fully... Uh, like Asian squat sometimes because my ankles are, I've had so many ankle injuries. They're so tight now that I just don't have the mobility to like full Asian squat. Um, Sometimes I can do it, but sometimes not so good. Um, So I know you've both dealt with some pretty tough injuries that long rehab, you know, um, until you're fully 100%. But like, you know, what injuries have you both battled? But like, how has that recovery impacted your mental health? I'll let you start with this. <laughs> Mine is a long list, so maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, yes, I have had a recent injury. I tore my ACL meniscus in a traumatic um, contact injury playing basketball. So mm. I, uh, I went up for a layup and I made it. And as I was, I have to put that in there. Good, of course. And as I was landing, just got completely side swept and knocked down and felt the instant pop and sound and um, just screamed more out of fear because I've never felt something like that. Yeah. And eventually calmed down. But yet I ended up tearing, completely tearing my ACL and one of my meniscus, menisci. Um, And so mine was very, it was a, what is it? Acute onset. It happened right away. I knew within that week, um, after getting and then getting MRI and all of that, did my uh, scheduled my surgery and kind of just knew. And I've had my sister have has went through it. Of course, just playing basketball, you know, friends and family. Um, 
And so I, I had some idea of what it meant, but it, it is a long, grueling process that you have to be patient with. Um, and as someone who really values movement, it was mentally challenging to to try to envision life without that for a, a while. Uh-huh. And being on the other side, it's been about one year exactly from when I got my surgery. It's, I think we tend to black out those hard parts, but if I look at videos or when I saw, you'll hear later, Don go through it again, it brought it all back and it it is tough to see your body change and have to bring it back and start from scratch on how to bend and straighten your leg, let alone walk, and, and then now being able to run. So a lot of lessons and resilience. Mm-hmm. All right, sir. Let, let's break break out the break out the scrolls of the yeah. list. So so injury wise, so before I tore my ACL the first time, I you know, I deal with like ankle random ankle injury. So I feel like I recover from with the Asian squat stuff because as, <laughs> as you probably can tell, I, I probably can't do one right now first. Right. Um <laughs> So I tore my ACL um, in 2015, I believe, on doing a Euro step. So I was probably in the best shape of my life. Um, I was in a adult league, and I did a Euro step, and I went one way, and my knee went the other way. So oh. picture what, what that looks like. And so, you know, being young, I didn't think anything of it. It was obviously I took a couple of days off, and I essentially kept like playing on it and and run and like hiking, running on it. And it would it would just like eventually it would just get worse and worse. So eventually I went to get it checked and lo and behold, torn ACL, fully torn, meniscus torn. So I'm pretty sure I made it worse. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. (laughs) And so um I I went to rehab. I I got you know, I got the surgery and I, I tried coming back to basketball a little too quick. And I'm almost sure that I kind of tore my ACL right off the bat pretty soon after I got back from rehab. The same um, one? Yeah, it was it was like probably four or five months after rehab. Oh my god. I came back to quick thinking I was Superman and young. And um yeah, so I I've kind of been dealing before the second surgery on my ACL, I've been I've been basically running on a torn ACL and and the after re tearing it, um you know, after the first recovery, um, I was scared to play basketball after that. I actually just didn't, I just started playing again in the Budokan league. <laughs> um, and so I took about a five-year break from basketball because I was just so scared to play. Yeah. I had a feeling it was torn already. And luckily, I, I think just living on it um, basically strengthened it enough to where I could get through one season. But um, I... I went through some other health problems uh, towards the end of last year. Um, I had a, a pulmonary embolism and a DVT in my leg, so blood clots essentially. Oh wow! So, um, so that's all. That was all settled, um, and I'm, you know, I'm dealing with it and healthy from that. But um, they basically scanned my leg and confirmed that the ACL was torn and completely mm. gone again, and, and that my meniscus was injured again. So I had I had surgery earlier this year. I'm about four months from uh, from surgery and recovering and kind of jogging again. Um, so, you know, I'm just kind of going through that. Oh, my gosh. Going to take my time and, you know, just seeing Megan go through her recovery 
has definitely given me the positivity to get through this too. And obviously I want us to both, we both have very strong running goals of in the future. And um, that's what's kind of been getting me through this whole process because I've seen Megan uh, go through it and, you know, she's, she looks great. She's going to, I hope, play basketball again soon. And she's running her first marathon or second marathon next year since uh, in LA Marathon. Wow. Um, and so uh, when I have those down times, I kind of just think back, you've been through this before. You have the wisdom not to come back too early. <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen Megan go through it in such a successful and graceful way uh, with recovery. And so that's kind of what I'm holding on to um, and prevents me from kind of getting on the lows and the downs of recovering because you can't move for a while, right? And I'm at these runs and seeing everyone run, I'm like going over these announcements and all right, I'll see you guys when we get back, you know? Oh man. Um, Luckily there's a lot of work that goes behind running a run club. um, So I can work on that stuff, but um, just, you know, losing the ability to run uh, really could put a damper in your mood and, you know, you don't get the endorphins that you're used to. And you take, basically I, I felt like I took it for granted after, um, tearing it again so now that i'm able to jog it's been nice and work out um and i'm slowly getting back into it so um that's really good but challenging at times as well did you ever want to like not quit because you know you're gonna have to walk again eventually right but like did you ever want to stop with this like social hour or sports or i mean basketball i after the first one, after kind of re-tearing it, I was like, I'm done playing basketball. And it sucked because I grew up playing basketball. So it was all I knew at one point. And um, and so I think at that time, I was pretty close to being done with basketball. Um, from running, and I, I, I always tell people this, like, I don't think social shower happens if I didn't tear my ACL the first time because hmm. one of my goals was to, was to run again. Um, and that's how I was able to you know, see what a run club was um, because I wanted to do that instead of basketball. And I, it kind of fulfilled a lot of the stuff that basketball did for me, like um, from a competitive standpoint, not that I was running competitively, but, you know, I'd be able to push myself with uh, like other runners as like teammates or something. And so um, I think everything happens for a reason. I think, you know, tearing it the first time, I honestly don't think I would have had the time to plan out or, or, or do social art if it wasn't for that. So I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise, at least for the first time. And wow. who knows, maybe the second one is another blessing in disguise <laughs> that I haven't seen yet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've, yeah, I, I, I could relate to the like, kind of like being scared to come back to sports. Like, Cause I feel like you almost don't trust your body. Like right after, even if you've done the rehab, you it's hard. Cause like, you know, you'll see it in, how someone runs they'll kind of still run with a limp or they still favor one side of their body like i don't know how many times i've like torn ligaments in my ankles like that's always the thing it's always like such a bad ankle sprain like to the point where now if i play basketball i slightly step funny like it'll hurt for a week you know and like you know i haven't torn an acl or meniscus or anything but like like even when it comes to that like you still favor one leg and then that results in like a like a muscle imbalance, I think, but then like it just results in being more likely to get hurt when you don't trust your your body fully. So it's tough. Uh, you're rehabbing and then you go through the full rehab and then you still have the mental block. It's it's tough. Um, but yeah, like on the side of perseverance, 
um, you know, is there, have you got, could you see ways where like your lessons in sports or in running has translated to day to day? Yeah, I think, and I, I've been to a few conferences. I've worked in sports for little, a little bit of my career and being around, um, as a female, as a woman, I think there's a lot that I've learned and gained through sport. Um, I think being able to that competitiveness and seeing being rewarded for that in sport, right? If you're scrapping, go after the ball and work hard, you get rewarded and your team might win. Where in other spaces, it might be seen as you're bossy or you're too mm. um, leadership team or all those cliche things, I think it, it really does impact you. But I think the biggest thing is community and um, confidence in yourself has translated into all parts of my life. Um, coming from JA basketball as well, I think other skills like event planning, we have the best potlucks. I mean, <laughs> little things like that I, I yeah. reflect on and I, a lot of the Thing, the things I remember and appreciate most are those snacks afterwards or, or celebrating our birthdays together, um, hanging out with my sister's team as a sibling and being in, embraced in those groups. So I think that it's twofold, the actual athleticism part of it and working hard towards a goal. And then as it with a team sport like basketball, working together towards a goal translates to to life and running which I've kind of drifted a lot more towards as of late. It's um, maybe it is part of mental health too, is knowing that when you put in this work, it's going to pay off and you can kind of control it in some sense of, mm -hmm. I have this goal of running a marathon. I, I have this training plan for 16 weeks. And if I follow it and being able to check off those boxes, I got my five miles in today, I'm doing 15 next week. Um, that part feels good to have that tangible goal set in front of you and to check it off and do it. So those are some examples, but I I point back to a lot of lessons through in life gained from sport and the communities and experiences I've gained part of it. Yeah, I mean, sports, like I, like Megan, I, I grew up playing sports pretty much all my life as well. And I think the teamwork and leadership aspect of it is something that, one, I could take a soul shower and also in my day job as well. Um, like just being able to work in, with interpersonal communication and just relationships with your teammates, you know, that's stuff you take over. It's uh, how you handle things at work or how you handle things at social hour. And, mm -hmm. and so I think, a lot of that just kind of piggyback what Megan said is a lot of stuff that, you know, we probably don't see, um, but we're just kind of, it just kind of happens um, unknowingly that you notice you're, that these things are carrying over to um, what you do from the day to day. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's very well said. I don't have anything else to add to that. I was going to try to segue into something else, but I just think that's, <laughs> I don't know how, how to. Um, but with that, you know, I'm coming towards the end of my questions, but, you know, what is on the horizon for the two of you in social hour? You know, maybe that entry will lead to your next inspiration, but what's, what is currently on the, the horizon for you guys? So 
I think we're going to close out the year. You know, we have a couple of races that are coming up um, and it's a year round thing. So there's always races, but our next big project um, is the Honolulu Marathon. Um, so we have some runners that are going to be first time marathon runners that are running it. Um, and, you know, we have uh, people doing the 10K, but maybe doing their first race in Hawaii. And um, one of the longer term projects that we want to do is kind of cultivate that relationship in in Hawaii. Um, we've done, I think we've, we've had a runner, um, shout out to Aaron that has done it three years in a row. Um, but Megan and I are trying to do it at least a year, every other year to go to Hawaii and kind of build some, uh, relationships out there so that we could maybe do some cool stuff with them, uh, or do some cool stuff in Hawaii, um, and support in any, in any way we can. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, in the future, like I said, races, but you know, we're trying to like work on merchandise and how we can do more social impact through that and building our sports um, reach with like basketball, volleyball, um, and even pickleball with the fastest growing sport in America. Obviously, we have to tackle that. Um, <laughs> but um, we had some volleyball clinics last year and, you know, we want to kind of build on that. How can we kind of have more people part of this social hour umbrella where, you um, they could maybe try sports out and then go into running or vice versa, do running and get into sports. Um, and then really trying to focus on the social impact part of it that's kind of evolved from social hour, like working with you guys and some other organizations. How do we build that relationship so it's fulfilling and, you know, like, and like continual in an impactful way for both of us. So um, that's why we always come back to Changing Tides and love to do stuff with you guys. So, um, really that's kind of what I see in the future. And now that Megan's kind of in the fold of like the planning and, and stuff, you know, I think I've taken social art to a, a point where it's great. Um, but maybe we've plateaued in a couple of things. And so bringing in Megan and having a fresh, fresh eye on some of the stuff we do. Um, it's really refreshing for me because, um, I have trouble asking for help sometimes and Megan could probably attest to that. And um, it's nice to have, you know, a partner that will, that's so involved in and kind of in the same mind of thinking and kind of believes in what you're doing and, and sees the, sees the, sees where it can go. And maybe I don't have that lens and we could talk that out and, you know, build into something even greater than what it is right now. Uh, so, so yeah. That's great. Uh, Megan, is there anything else that you guys are looking forward to? Yeah, I think um, everything that Don said, but the the social impact piece, and I think it's even curating experiences like this for our runners to look within themselves. Um, what we also, we have captains who help lead our runs. And um, one of our goals is also to just listen, to hear what our community needs, because we're only two, we're a small sample of our larger community. So when we talk to them and hear what inspires them or what causes they care about what they're going through in their lives and knowing that we don't, some things work. We're not necessarily going to change our marathon training plans, but we can change which uh, organizations we support or mm -hmm. how we promote what businesses we eat at after our runs. So I think that's something we really want to get to do is get to know and really listen and hear our community, um, both our members and the the spaces we run through. Like Don said, we run through Artesia and Cerritos area mostly and seeing, you know, what what issues are happening or how can we get involved 
to help the the city, the communities in general move and feel safe and be on their feet. Um, so that's really exciting. I think that as AAPI identifying folks, also that space um, naturally where we're at geographically as well, we attract a lot of fellow AAPI across the spectrum. Um, so being able to showcase that and connect other folks to those traditions or um, heritages is something exciting. And I think personally, coming back from these injuries, we do really want to set those big goals of running a race together, maybe a world major. I really am putting this out there that I'm, I'm going to run the Tokyo 2025 marathon. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> in a couple of years and just knowing that um, you can do as cliche as it sounds, but what you put your mind to and running shows that time and time again, that your mind is so much stronger than your body. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think for us also, you know, spending time with our family and our parents and our sisters and family is really important. So that's been a big priority and exciting to see and learn about each other's cultures and, and histories and all of that. That's awesome. Um, I don't have any other questions except for like my fun little quick fire round. Um, but before that, is there anything else you'd like to say that we didn't get to? Um, I think you covered a lot of it. So kudos to you for creating <laughs> these questions. Um, thank you. So, but no, I just want to say thank you, Matt, for having us on. Um, I'm glad that we found each other and could work on projects like this and we look forward to seeing how we can support you guys at Changing Tides and um, and other events um, and even utilizing some of the services you offer for our runners and kind of highlighting those um, with our platform so that um, there's awareness, maybe not a little, just Little Tokyo, but also outside as well. And they can tune into you guys. So thank you. Totally. Same. Thank you for this opportunity to reflect. We were kind of nervous and I think it's so refreshing to be able to have a kind of prompted reason to reflect and celebrate a lot of exciting things and accomplishments. Um, so thank you for providing that space for us and everyone else who gets to gets a chance to do this. Yeah. Well, the benefit of zero listeners is that there's no pressure of <laughs> anyone hearing it, right? So, um, but I do have some quick fire questions. I think I cued you guys into this one to be prepared about if you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? I did listen to other podcasts, okay. so I would know these questions. So, <laughs> uh, but I was like, Megan, like, they would all be basketball players to me, to be honest. That's I would fair. be that. So, Kobe would be one of mine. Um, Megan actually worked for the Lakers while Kobe was there. So, oh, that's awesome. She actually got the real experience. <laughs> um, I heard a funny one about Obama last time. That was hilarious. <laughs> the way I thought through that. Kevin King, who I went to high school with. Oh, no out. way. That's so, what a small, I mean, everyone knows each other okay. in this community. Um, well, that's what I have. So from inspiration of that, it would probably be like Spider-Man or Tom Holland. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> what an interesting group. Right. Uh, um, and I think, I think it would probably be like my grandma that I was able to meet. Um, that passed away because a lot of my grandparents passed away a little earlier mm. uh, before I was born. So I was able to at least meet um, with her and we got to talk with the language barrier. It was kind of tough, but 
um, kind of just being able to talk to her and eat her cooking again. So she uh-huh. can get her too, and I'll help. So, yeah. That's awesome. And Megan, what about you? Oh my God, I'm so bad at this. I, I am not a a super fan of anything or anyone sadly and like whenever someone's like favorite actress favorite whatever singer mine is very sentimental I think um I I would love to I always tell Donovan this and my niece um have dinner just be able to spend time with my paternal grandparents grandma Ono and grandpa Ono who passed away grandma was three years ago and grandpa before then but I I truly think like my grandma and Donovan would be the best of friends and <laughs> I would love to be able to spend time with them. So it would be them. And then if I could, uh, my grandma, my great grandmother, Mine Ito, who I just hear stories about. And I feel like we're, we share a lot of the same spirits of being pioneering female leaders and community and just um, all the stories I've heard about her. I would just love to see um, that connection and all that so yeah very sentimental for me oh that's awesome i think either way i love hearing both responses um do either do you guys ever get competitive with each other when you guys run or play sports well it's mostly me getting competitive so <laughs> i make up this like scenario in my head like oh man megan's like trying to smack you're like <laughs> Or like she wants us as bad as I do. I really hate her and show her. And, and so, yeah, we do. Um, I'd say ping pong um, when we're playing each other, pickleball when we're playing with each other on the same team. Um, <laughs> get kind of mean and competitive. Uh, and also basketball. So, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good. It's, um, it's fun to have that push. Yeah. It never gets toxic, but it's a, yeah. He tries to push me, but I, I'm, pretty zen most of the time and just block it out <laughs> yeah definitely i have i like winning a lot and <laughs> especially the things i know i could probably win at so if it's like and we'll be i'll get competitive against like the ocbc pickleball 70 year olds <laughs> that i'm playing against and and then megan will be like oh like chill about <laughs> it and i'm like meg we're losing eight <laughs> zero i get like wanting to let them score but I'm not trying to lose by like my double digits. So, <laughs> so that's just me and my competitiveness in it. But I, I think it's healthy. For yeah. Athletes. I think Lauren and I know to not play sports or competitions with each other because we know it could get rough. Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm. I think I, we're both very competitive people. So, yeah, we have to we have to know our boundaries. Um, yeah. What sport out there would you like to play either for the first time that you've always been interested in or that you want to bring to social hour if you have the time and capacity to do so? I think golf would be a good one. I already know we have a big golf community in, in social hour. Um, I've only hit the, I've been to the driving ranges once in a while. Another good way to work on your mental health if you're angry. Um, but uh, yeah, I think golf would be a good one. I, I just It's just something I haven't, took the time to try out um and I, and I know that a lot of our members will welcome it so that's a, that's probably probably the sport i would choose i would say surfing Ooh. i i'm from south bay as well so um i grew up and my dad and uncles and everyone we grew up in the water and i think it's a totally different environment to 
work with nature <laughs> and use your intuition and um yeah that would be really fun for me personally to get back into it and to have other folks who can use the lessons of patience and intuition that you learn in surfing to help their running as well totally that's super cool um finally uh where could people find you and how could they support or get involved yeah so you could find us mostly on uh, instagram is our main platform i would say so uh social Rock club on instagram uh for you non-instagram users we have our website at socialrunclub.com um, as well as facebook if you use facebook um i personally don't update it as often as i'd like um so I would say Instagram's your best choice, but so you could find us also at our three runs that we host every week. Um, so we run at Cypress College um, at 7 p.m. Um, on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're at Nilly's Burger Shop um, at 7 p.m. We have 1.5, three and six mile options. We kind of use a, that one as a community run if you're not really into running to come out. Um, and then on Saturdays, we run at Baker's and Baristas um, at uh, 8 p.m. Or, 8 a.m. Um, and we have a 16 a 615 option as well um, for those curious to do a longer run. Um, and if you don't remember anything I said, just check out the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, we're also at a lot of the local races. So if you're running the Long Beach Marathon, Surf City and Huntington Beach, the OC Marathon down in Newport. Um, those are our main races and we if you're not a runner and you want to come out and just see what it's all about i love inviting folks to come out to our cheer stations to it's really inspiring to see folks of all walks of life um running their race uh, so we're there where we visit we have folks running in berlin and chicago and all over the world so wow. uh, if you if you ever are curious to come out you can find us Plus, we also we also offer a lot of like discounts for our runners. Um, so if you ever want to sign up for those races, um, or just products that with the brands we work with, um, we get a lot of discounts for that. And then also offer uh, free classes at you know like Barry's Bootcamp, for instance. Um, so there's a lot of value I think we provide to our runners in that sense, um, and it's all free. So um, I think yeah, check us out if you're ever curious about the run club. That's awesome. Uh, one thing that just came to mind is that I think is really special about these run clubs, especially when they run at night, is I think a lot of women, especially like it's it's like it's if we're being honest, it's a very real fear to run alone at night. But a lot of people like to run at night and maybe it's the only time that they can find. So to find a run club that, you know, provides a lot of more safety than just running alone at night. So I think that's a really great additional factor to social hour or run clubs in general is the community again you know community comes up big and there's safety in community so i just think that's a really cool aspect to these run clubs as well um and can people wear headphones or do they have to talk oh no you could you could wear headphones um, especially if i'm running next to you, I talk to you. <laughs> got it well, so yeah yeah at least there's a safety net of having the others running exactly. with you so there's that well um that's all I got for you both. I look forward to seeing you both again soon. Um, and yeah, I think there's going to be, I have some ideas that actually came to mind while we were talking. So 
we could chat about that. But yeah, I look forward to seeing what's next for you guys. I look forward to being a part of it. And I look forward to coming out to uh, my first official run with you guys. That's not like a collaboration. Like me just going. I'll, I'm going to do it. I promise. You're going to do a collab post for your first row. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Matthew. See ya. Thank you to Donovan and Megan for jumping on the podcast and discussing Social Hour Run Club, for discussing their resiliency in sports injuries, to discuss their communities, whether it be JA or Filipino community or the Social Hour Run Club community. Uh, I really appreciate how much they emphasize that. And, you know, I just love the both of them and I'm really looking forward to what we have in store with Changing Tides and Social Hour because I'm sure we're going to find more spaces to share together. But if you enjoyed this episode, you could subscribe to our show for episodes that release every other Tuesday and give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to support our podcast and help us grow, you can do so with a donation to the link at the bottom of the episode description. To hear more about Changing Tides, follow us on Instagram at LTSC underscore Changing Tides or check out our website, thechangingtides.org. Let's continue to change the tide on mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah.